0: that he loves us, that he's on our side, and he loves to give good things to his children, and that those of us who are Christians, we are his children, right? So it's it's a simple message, but sometimes it takes a while to get through because we have maybe a perception of God as like a judge, you know, or somebody who's waiting to like zap us at any moment if we do something wrong. You know, sometimes we can have interesting perceptions and pictures of who God is. But at this church, we really... Uh, feel like we have a revelation of God as Father of God as being good, God being on our side, and that he 's our Father and we 're in his family, and together as a church that we are the family of God. Does that sound good yes. so that 's something that we we really like to talk about at this church it 's one of our core values is to talk about the father heart of God, and it 's something that as we uh, we send teams out across the world, we like to minister in the Father Heart, and we like to tell other people about the Father Heart, and it's an amazing message because it really breaks down any barriers. It goes across any cultural divide. It goes, you know, it's just it's just a universal message of God's goodness. And uh, and Christ talked a lot about this Father Heart message. You know, Christ talked about God as His Father, and that actually got Him into into trouble because He talked so much about this Father Heart, about His Father. And he talked about this closeness that he had with God, his Father, that people had a hard time with that. The religious people of his day had a hard time with that. Um, There's two sides to the Father heart message. There's the side that says, God is our Father. But there's also another side to the message, and that is that we are his children. And if you believe that God is your Father, but you can't come to God as a son or a daughter, then you're not going to get the full picture, right? Because we eat, we all have parents, but we're also all children, right? And if you, if you um, have a hard time submitting to your parents or if you don't recognize that they're your parents, then you're not going to get the full blessing of being a child. Does that make sense? And so this morning I want to talk about that 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 being a child and there's two terms that are kind of used in the New Testament to talk about this and one is the spirit of adoption and the other is the spirit of sonship so those are the terms that I'm going to use this morning and um, Paul talks about them we're going to read from Romans 8 in a moment and we're going to see that Paul uses um, uses those terms and what those terms simply mean are the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship is the spirit that draws us in to this family relationship with God the Father. It's the spirit that causes us to come into that relationship where we're a child of God and he's our Father. And that's what we need in our lives if we're to understand and recognize that God is our Father. Jesus said that he uh, reveals the Father and that the Father is revealed and what the spirit of sonship does or the spirit of adoption is it allows that revelation to come into our lives and come into our hearts and so this morning we're going to talk about it and then as we finish we're just going to ask for the spirit of adoption to come if you've never experienced it before or if you just want more understanding of what the spirit of adoption or spirit of sonship is alright so if it sounds a little bit different we're going to read some scripture and uh, hopefully you'll understand it alright sound good alright Romans 8 Growing up Romans eight was like this chapter that like in the church I grew up in, they were always like, Romans eight is one of the best chapters in the whole Bible. And I was like, alright, cool. You know? So sometimes when I just want to like pick up the Bible and read, I just read Romans eight. And it's all about um life through the Holy Spirit. And it's all about the freedom that the Holy Spirit gives. And uh I'm gonna read Romans eight twelve to seventeen. And uh this this is gonna talk about bringing us in to the spirit of sonship, into into the family of God. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you again a slave to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings an order that we may also share in his glory. So that's an encouraging passage, right? That we did not receive a spirit that makes us a slave against a fear, but received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry Abba Father. And that term Abba Father, that's a very intimate cry. It's not it's not just father, you know, we say father, but it's really it's like dad, it's like daddy, you know. It's like young kids would, would like reach up and you know, Abba, Abba, you know, and grab their, their dad's hand. That's the intimacy of that phrase. And that's what this spirit of sonship does for us in a spiritual sense. It means that when we need to reach out, when we need to look to God as our Father we can cry, Daddy, Daddy God, I need you. That's what it's all about. And it's the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption that makes it possible for us to do that. I was, when I was reading this, um, I think it was in January, I was just reading through this passage, and there was a certain line that just jumped out at me. I'd never noticed the implications of it before. And I, it just blew me away. And it's something that I've just been asking God to to bring more and more revelation on the last the last six seven months. And so this morning's message is just what's come out of that time. And um, I believe there's a lot more to it, but this is pretty much where it's at right now. So even if it's not complete, this is what it is. Um, it's this it's this sentence: "For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear." But you received the Spirit of sonship. For you did not receive a Spirit that makes you a slave again to fear... But you received the Spirit of sonship. And Paul does something here which is really, really interesting. He contrasts these two Spirits. He said, We don't have a a Spirit that makes us a slave again to fear... But we have a Spirit of sonship. We don't have a Spirit that makes us a slave again to fear... have a spirit of sonship. And there's two things in this passage. It's if we're sons, then we're sons. And we're not slaves. Because it's not just a spirit of fear, it's a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear. Okay, so we either have freedom as sons. Or we're in bondage. Or either we have a spirit of sonship which gives us the freedom to have faith or we're in a spirit of fear that's bondage does everyone get that? okay and so what Paul is saying is you can either be a son and have freedom or you can and you can have that Holy Spirit operating in your life or you can have the spirit of fear operating in your life and it's going to bring you it's going to bring you bondage and slavery okay isn't that interesting? And so which one do we want operating in our lives as Christians? Sonship. Yeah. And don't get thrown off by the, the term sonship. It's daughtership as well. Okay, it's not a gender term. It's simply the language of the day. Okay? So that's what we want operating in our lives. So when that when I first read that, I was like, wow. I was like, I wonder if it's just in this one, one part of scripture. Or is this whole... Spirit of sonship and the faith that goes with it, and the spirit of fear, or, you know these two things. I was like, is this somewhere else in the Bible? You know, and it coincided with me like starting to read. It was January, so it was like starting to read through the Bibles in Genesis. And so as I began to read through, I was like, I'm going to keep my eyes open for any time I see like the words faith or fear or afraid or anything like that to see if this theme is in Scripture, you know, any more than just this one verse. And as I went through, I realized. That this is this is throughout the whole of Scripture, this whole thing of faith versus fear, and I was like, "Wow, this is incredible." And so I'm just going to share one example with you, and then we'll we'll see what the application is for our lives. And um, the example is the story of Abraham, and Abraham's a good example because Abraham's known as like this great guy of faith, right? You know, when, when Paul talks about faith, he always is like, "Yeah, look at Abraham, like he's this example of great faith." So so let's look at um, Abraham's life, and just to see how this principle of like the spirit of fear and the spirit of adoption works in his life. And I want to go to Genesis 15 to start with. Now, as we know, like Abraham was this great Old Testament figure, right? He's he's the example of what it is to have faith. He's the one that we look to as like the first person who had this personal faith experience with God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And we hear that expression a lot, credited to him as righteousness. So let's just read from the from the top of 15 for a couple of verses. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? The one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. And the rest of that chapter, just God makes a covenant with Abraham, and it's a very kind of solemn occasion. And... uh, God gives him more and more specifics about the fulfillment of that promise that he just gave him. So that's quite an amazing encounter. That's quite an amazing chapter in Abraham's life, right? And it's not the first time that God's appeared to Abraham. Um, God appeared to him already in Genesis 12 and has already promised him. Offspring has already promised that he'll become a great nation. So it's not the first time that, that Abraham's heard this. But um, there's been a couple of chapters. There's been chapters t- 13 and 14 in between those two those two occasions. And here at the start of chapter 15, it just begins with, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Just cuts right in. And what does God say? Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. And those those three things are really, really amazing. Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. And I was thinking about this last night. I was like, why did God say, I've never understood this before, why did God come in and say, I am your shield, your very great reward? I was like, wow, that sounds good. But I didn't know exactly why it was there, right? Well, as I was reading last night in these chapters, it just struck me. If you look at the two chapters, 13 and 14, they're all about how rich Abraham was and how strong Abraham was. So for God to say, I'm your shield, doesn't really mean much for Abraham in a physical sense. Because chapter 14, Abraham's already won a military victory. Abraham is already strong in this area of his life. He doesn't really need God's protection because he has loads of protection in his own strength. The other thing is, God says, I'm your very great reward. Okay, Abraham was filthy rich. He doesn't really need any more reward. Abraham is loaded. He doesn't need any other... He doesn't need it, you know? So God comes in and said, I'm going to be your strength and I'm going to be your reward. And you can see that this doesn't make sense to Abraham because the next verse he says... Oh sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? He's like, it doesn't matter if you give me more reward. He said, It doesn't matter. I don't have kids, how's it gonna it's not gonna transfer? It's just gonna be lost. So he's like, in one sense, he's like, Don't give me anything else if it's just gonna stop with me. Abraham understands what God's saying here. But what did God said at the very start? Don't be afraid. You ever notice how many times God says don't be afraid in Scripture when He shows up? <laughs> Do you know why that is? Because God was terrifying, yeah. <laughs> well Jesus said it to the disciples too, didn't he? He said, Don't be afraid, you know. When God comes and says don't be afraid, he's doing two things simultaneously. He's driving out the spirit of fear that resides in us, and he's drawing out the spirit of sonship and faith. Because they can't coexist in the same place at the same time. If you think of an area of your life and you have fear in that area, then God wants to challenge that this morning. And He wants to replace it with the spirit of sonship and the spirit of faith. That's what He wants to do. That's the freedom He wants to bring to you this morning. You notice that Abraham didn't need a promise in the area of being strong or being rewarded. He had those two areas covered. What did God promise him in the area of? The area where he was weakest. It was the area where he he was weak. He he didn't have any children. It was an area of weakness in his life. And that's where God brought the promise. And that's where the faith needed to rise up. And I don't know if you've noticed that in your own life, but it's the areas where you're just feeling the weakest. And you're like, I just don't know what's going to happen. Those are the areas that God calls you to have faith and wants to draw that faith out in your life the areas that you're in control and the areas that you've got covered you're normally not afraid in those areas right you don't have the spirit of fear in those areas of your life it's the areas of your life that you're lacking and that you feel like you need more those are the areas that you have fear right because you're not in control and you don't know if you've got what it takes you don't know how it's going to happen right and those are the areas that God calls for that spirit of faith to come. And that's where the spirit of adoption kicks in. Is this making sense? If you look at the next chapter in, uh, in Abraham's life, chapter 16, what happens? Well, that's where Ishmael is born. So, even though Abraham has this amazing encounter with God in chapter 15, in chapter 16, you can still see the spirit of fear operating in his life because he doesn't have the faith. Right? because what happens his wife says here's my maidservant why don't you sleep with her maybe you'll have a child that way now if he had the spirit of faith really operating in his life he'd be like no God's going to do it it's fine you know it's covered but the spirit of fear was still operating in some level And what happened he gives in he's like alright and so he sleeps with Hagar the maidservant she gets pregnant what happens Sarah's really upset So, the whole situation that caused Ishmael to be conceived was, was, was through fear. It was like, this isn't going to happen, so we need to make it happen. And that really wasn't faith. That was fear. And so as soon as, as, soon as Sarah work, realizes that her servant has this child on the way, then she turns against the maidservant, and the maidservant actually runs away because it's so bad. They can, things are so bad in that household. So that whole environment was an environment of fear. Like God rescues her and says, "Go back and have the child in Abram's household; you'll be okay." So, but that whole time must have been just a time of like fear and just you know, just not a good situation. The child's born into a household, then, and you know, and he's being raised in his early days. It's it's an environment where there's there's got to be a lot of fear. There's got to be a lot of apprehension, and we know that because she runs away again. Hagar and Ishmael run away again, and they run into the desert and uh, and she's basically like this child's just going to die like that's it, it's over and again she's rescued you know God rescues her and, and protects her in the desert which is because of God's faithfulness to Abraham and they grow up in the desert She he grows up in the desert and she cares for him in the desert but what happens to Ishmael he becomes a hunter and so you know that Him growing up must have been like, it must have been a scary place for a single mother and a young child growing up in the desert. So Ishmael's life was just fear, a lot of fear. And he becomes an aggressor, he becomes a hunter in order to come against that fear and the things that were going on in his life. So that is the result of the spirit of fear operating in Abraham's life. Does that make sense? And what was the result of faith? It was Isaac, the child of promise. Isaac, the result of promise. What happened to Isaac? He inherited everything that Abram had. Ishmael didn't get any of it. And that's one of the things when we have the the spirit of adoption working in our lives is we get the inheritance that's really ours. We get the things that God stored up for us. But the spirit of fear wants to rob us of those things. If you look at the Israelites, they were wandering in the desert. Why did they wander in the desert for so long? That really wasn't a long journey. It wasn't going to take 40 years. Why did they they stay in the desert? Yeah, they sent the 12 spies into the land. They all saw the same things, right? They all saw the same things. Only two of them had the faith to go in and take it. And the others were afraid. And because the people were afraid, God said... The people who have the spirit of fear, they're not going to be able to take the land. So, he lets that whole generation die out. God wants a generation of faith to take the land. You know that the, um, the generation that took the land, they didn't know what slavery was like. Because they didn't experience it. They experienced the freedom of the wilderness. But it was the generation that had experienced that slavery who actually longed for it again at certain times. And they couldn't take the land because the spirit of fear was enslaving them again and God wants us to have a spirit of faith that allows us to take our inheritance Um, the spirit of fear is that thing in your life like if you get a prophetic word for example and it's you're going to do this that and the other and they're like these really big things and you're like wow that that sounds great like how do I get there I'm here how do I get there you know, has has anyone experienced that? You get a prophetic word, and you're just like, "Wow, that's that's a stretch." But if God said it, then that's good enough for me. But I don't know how I'm going to get there, right? We've had that. Well, you know, in like the moment of like receiving a prophetic word, you're like, "Yeah, like God's great. This is amazing. Like, sweet. Like, God's got this plan for my life, right?" Maybe what happens the next day or within the next few days, you begin to be like, "Well, looking at my current situation." I'm not 100% sure how that's going to happen, and then you might begin to doubt it, and then after a while you might you might get this fear of like, it's not going to happen, you know, I've got to make it happen, or whatever, and the spirit of fear can kind of like creep in, and then what happens is you begin to kind of doubt God's word, and you're afraid, oh, this isn't going to happen, you know, and before long, what was meant for encouragement is actually causing you this like spiritual discomfort and discouragement. Has anybody experienced that? And that prophetic word was meant to carry you into your inheritance. Do you know what I mean? It was like this long this this long vision that you had to see down the line and to see what your inheritance was like. And God's saying in that moment, Okay, do you have the spirit of sonship or do you have the spirit of fear? Because you ever notice like when you're when you're gonna step into something, you have that fear that comes in. That spirit of fear, and it makes you stop, right? It kinda like stops all your momentum. Whereas the spirit of faith keeps you moving, even though there's obstacles in the path, right? Well that's where, that's where it operates in our lives. You know, there's two different types of prayer. There's the prayer of faith and there's the prayer of fear. <clears throat> and the spirit of fear is quite tricky because it'll let you pray. It recognizes that as a christian if it tries to shut us down from praying 100% that we're just going to feel horrible and like it's just it's just not going to work right because everybody prays right christian or not like they know how to pray if the situation's desperate enough so the spirit of the spirit of fear isn't like oh there's going to be zero prayer but what the spirit of fear does is says i'm going to let you pray but you're going to pray in such a way that it really defeats you because what will happen is you'll be like, "Oh God, I need an answer. Tell and answer me." But you might not have any faith whatsoever. Now, sometimes God answers those prayers, right? There's so a lot of people got saved that way, right? They cried out for God in a desperate situation and He answered. But that's not the ideal for the Christian faith, right? That's not true sonship. And the spirit of fear will let us cry out those cries of like extreme fear, like, oh God, I need you right now. You know? But if that prayer isn't answered, then we build this expectation of, oh, God doesn't really answer prayer. But I feel compelled to pray because I'm a Christian, and that's what Christians do. So I need to keep praying. And pretty soon your expectation is, no, there's not really an answer to this situation. There's not an answer to this prayer. And the spirit of fear is dominating that part of your life. Does that make sense? And what does Christ want for us? He wants us to pray the prayer of faith. And if you look at the stories or the uh, the examples that Christ used, the pictures for prayer, it was knocking on doors, expecting the door to open. It was asking an expectation of an answer. It was being persistent and waking your neighbor up in the middle of the night, like Tony explained last week. Right? Those aren't Those aren't fearful situations. Okay? It's not like I'm knocking on the door and I'm scared if the door opens. It's I really want the door to open and I have faith that it will. And so that's what we want to enter into is having the spirit of sonship, having that spirit of faith in our lives so that we know that we're going to see the expectation of and the fulfillment of the promises that God has given us. So that's the spirit of fear versus the spirit of sonship. Let me just actually look at my notes for a second. <laughs> there's actually different levels of fear, just as there's different levels of faith. And I don't know if you've noticed that before, but you know, in your own life you might have expectation, like a few weeks ago there was the call, right? And that was the level of prayer for that. It was When we prayed, it was like, I want something to happen in this nation, okay? So that's a level that you're praying. Okay, sometimes we'll pray things for this city or for this church, and that's a different level. okay? It's, it''s It's not national, it's more local. But a lot of times we just pray on our own personal level. and we have in an, and God's calling us to have faith for all these different things. So do you have faith for your own personal experience? Do you have faith for your local community and the church? Do you have faith for the nation and the world? Does that make sense? It's these different levels. Well in the same way, the spirit of fear operates in these different levels. And so, I don't know if you, like, watch the news much, but it's really (laughs) fear-based. Right? It's like, the world's gonna end tomorrow, you know? And, uh, it's kinda like, the spirit of fear has this way of, like, if you, even if you got your, it says, even if you get your whole life worked out, and you get everything sorted in your own life, it doesn't really matter because the world's gonna end tomorrow. Or the government's going to do this or that. Or what does it really matter anyway? You know? And so sometimes it feels overwhelming because it's like, oh, there's no hope. And not only is there no hope for you in your personal life, it's like there's no hope globally, there's no hope nationally, there's no hope. You know what I mean? And so every area and every level that God calls us to have faith, the spirit of fear wants to come in and kind of butt up against that and say, oh yeah, there's no way that's going to happen. There's no way the whole whole of America is going to turn back to God. Why would you even pray that in the first place? That's ridiculous. (laughs) Right? It's the reality of what happens. You know, it's not just the Holy Spirit that produces fruit in your life. Okay, we're familiar with the fruits of the Spirit. But every spirit produces fruit in your life. And so whether you like it or not, the spirit of fear is producing fruit in your life. And it could be this big area where you're like, what's the next step? And you think, God's calling me into this or that, but man, I'm afraid to take that first step because I just don't know what's going to happen. You know, God wants us to have faith because he wants to draw us into sonship. That's the whole point of this, is to experience God as a father in a deeper way. We need to embrace... Sonship. We need to embrace this life of faith. And we need to, to turn away from the spirit of fear and stand against it. Because the spirit of fear doesn't doesn't want to just lie down and take it easy in your life. The spirit of fear wants to produce that fruit. You know? And some of the fruit of the spirit of fear is it's just stuff like isolation or loneliness or rejection or unworthiness depression sickness anger you know all of those things like like i've got no momentum in my life you know why have i got no momentum in my life i'm so discouraged i'm so disappointed maybe i'm unworthy of god's love why do i feel so isolated you know and it might be because of the spirit of fear you know and you need to ask god how do you know if you've got the spirit of fear operating in your life or like what area of your life well it's just being ruthless about looking at the fruit in your life you know it's a pretty easy process it's like think of areas of your life and then just ask yourself am I afraid in that area do I have faith in that area of my life or do I not have faith alright so do I have the spirit of sonship or do I have the spirit of fear okay that's pretty simple and then what you do is you just you just pray that the spirit of sonship kicks out the spirit of fear. And then you can move on. You know, there's just like in the Old Testament when the people were taking the promised land, there was giants in the land. They described giants in the land. There's some giants in the land when it comes to fear. And a couple of them are like, it's the fear of man, and the fear of what others think. That's a really big, you know, giant when it comes to fear. You know what I mean? Like, that's like a universal. Like, we've all had that at some point. The same... Same thing with the fear that we won't be loved or accepted for who we really are. That's another really big one. And so sometimes these fears can be really big like this and really universal. Or sometimes they can be really specific and kind of unique to us, you know. And like, it could be something really trivial. It could be like, I'm afraid of snakes or spiders or, you know, going down to our basement because it's dark and nasty, you know. could be anything but it's the same process. And some of these bigger ones, you might need to come at it and come at it and come at it and keep praying and praying. Do you know what I mean? But that's okay. Because you're still exercising the spirit of faith because you're saying it will be dealt with. You know? Okay. Let's stand. Because we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to just ask for the spirit of sonship to come. And then we're going to think of a fear in our lives. And then we're just going to practice dealing with it. Okay? So let's just pray. Father, we ask to know you. I'm just going to pray for you. But you can can definitely agree. Father, I just ask that the spirit of sonship would come. Jesus, we, we just ask that you would release the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship this morning in greater measure and uh, if you've not experienced it this morning ever you don't know what the spirit of sonship or adoption is that's okay but if you're familiar with it and you just want more then that's great too Jesus you said in in your word that you will reveal the father so we're asking Jesus that you would bring revelation of the father this morning in a deeper measure that the spirit of sonship would be poured out the spirit of adoption would be poured out this morning because we want to receive it. We want to receive it this morning, Father. And so I want you to, to think of an area of your life, it could be big or small, that you have fear operating. And we're gonna we're gonna isolate the spirit of fear in, in some area of our lives. Everyone think of something. So what we're going to do is we're going to repent of that spirit of fear being there, and we're going to go through a process to allow the spirit of adoption to come in in its place. So first of all, just confess that spirit of fear and be very specific. You know, just confess in whatever area of your life that you've allowed the spirit of fear to have have its place and to produce its fruit in your life. And then just say, Father, I repent for for allowing that to happen. I repent for having that spirit of fear in that area of my life. And then sometimes we need to forgive people because they've influenced us to have fear in this area of our lives. And it might be yourself even, or it might be your parents, or it might be somebody, it might be a boss, or it might be a friend. But if, if, if somebody's name or face just pops into your mind at this moment, You know, just forgive them. And then just break agreement with that fear. Just say, I break agreement with the fear that, you know, whatever it is, just put the words in. And then this is a good bit. Receive the spirit of sonship in its place. And just say, I receive the spirit of sonship in place of the spirit of fear. Holy Spirit, would you just come and fill any area where there has been fear? Thank you, Father. So, so Father, we just thank you that you send your spirit of sonship into our hearts, into our lives, to bring us freedom. It's for freedom that you set us free. And so, Father, we just thank you for that this morning. And God, we pray that we would continue to be able to walk out your freedom, walk out in faith, and to turn away from fear in our lives. Thank you, Father, for your presence with us this morning. And we just delight in you again. Amen. Amen. Alright, you're dismissed. Is there a prayer team this morning? Yeah, there is. Prayer team this morning, if you need prayer for any reason. And a reminder that Kingdom Experience will be here tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Thanks.